We've heard all the reactions. We've talked a little bit about the fits. Now it's time to meet Anthony Black and Jed Howard from people who know them and watch them play every day, or most of the games at least. It's time to learn more about our rookies from where they came from. It's time for another edition of Locked On Magic. You are Locked On Magic, your daily Orlando magic podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And you are indeed locked on magic. I'm recording this on June 26, 2023. This episode will be for June 27th, 2023. My name is Philip Rossmanreich. I'm the expert insight editor over at OrlandoMagicDaily.com. Of course, find me on Twitter at R underscore OMD. On today's episode of Locked On Magic, we're going to go back over some of the reactions to the draft where there are still legitimate questions, but where people have kind of calmed down on some things. But then we're going to meet Anthony Black and Jet Howard from the people who have watched them all year long. We'll hear from Locked On Razorbacks as well as Locked On Wolverines to get the lowdown on the Magic's two new rookies. We'll get to all that coming up here in just a moment. But first, we want to thank you again for making Locked On Magic part of your day every day, no matter when you listen to us, whether it's first thing in the morning, whether it's right when we upload. We truly appreciate you making Locked On Magic part of your day every day. Remember, there's a great Locked On podcast covering every single team in the NBA. To search for Locked On and the team you're looking for, the Locked On Podcast Network, it's your team every day. Before we get into our pair of interviews today, I just want to kind of reset ourselves here. Um, it has been now four days, five days. I don't, I can't, I, I was told there'd be no math. It's been a while since the NBA draft. We've met the rookies. They've come down to Orlando. We've had the introductory press conferences. We've looked ahead to what this means for the team and everyone's had a chance to calm down a little bit. Um, at the end of the day, I think there are questions about the Magic drafting Anthony Black and Jed Howard. Undoubtedly, there are. There were always going to be questions over whoever the Magic drafted. It was always going to be an imperfect fit because this draft did not give the Magic a perfect fit, a perfect player that checked every single box. There was no obvious answer in the magic. We're going to have to compromise somewhere. Certainly, if you look at all the post-draft reviews, including on our site on OrlandoMagicDaily.com, they will tell you that the magic were one of the losers on draft night. And, and a lot of that is because they had two lottery picks and it felt like they needed to do something substantial. Um, it felt like, A, there was a potential to move around in the draft. There was a potential to do something big. But frankly, that's not how this Magic team always operates. Like I said, on draft night after the draft was completed, the Magic stayed true to their principles. At the end of the day, whatever opportunities were out there, and we don't know what opportunities were out there, whatever opportunities were out there, the Magic did not feel comfortable enough doing them. And at the end of the day, the Magic picked two players that fit the vision of what this team is trying to be. They grabbed a multi-positional guard, a ball handler, um, whether you believe Anthony Black's a point guard, whether you think he can play some two or some three, they grabbed someone that can be anything. And, and yes, has a major flaw that he will need to work on and grow, grow out of and grow through, but they picked a player that they believe can do a lot of different things in this league. 
that they believe can be a factor on several fronts and in several ways. That can be a defensive stopper. That can be a playmaker at his size. They grabbed who they thought was the best player on the board. And look, depending on what you feel about Cam Whitmore and, and who knows why he dropped all the way to 20, a lot of teams clearly felt the same way. So drafting him at six might have been a bad choice. Uh, or it might have been might have been the right choice. We'll find out here in the next decade or so. Uh, but the Magic felt like they grabbed the best player available. Um, you could certainly say that maybe Taylor Hendricks was a cleaner fit for this roster, especially with the amount of shooters that are supposedly available on the free agent market. The Magic ultimately said, no, we're at six. We got to take the best player on our board. And that's what they did. As I said throughout the whole draft process, the Magic needed to come out of this draft with a shooter. And they certainly did that in taking Jet Howard. They certainly did that in grabbing perhaps, if not one of the best shooters, in the, if not the best shooter in this draft class, one of the best shooters in this draft class. You, that cannot be argued. You could say a lot of things about Jet Howard. There are a lot of questions to ask about Jet Howard and, and, and whether he was the guy that they should have taken over Grady Dick or whoever. But they got their shooter. And at the end of the day, we still have to see how this whole puzzle fits together. Yes, the Magic have a logjam at guard right now. There's no denying it. There's no getting around it. We'll dive in a little bit more into that on tomorrow's episode of Locked on Magic when we when we start diving a little bit deeper into the offseason or into the free agency and the rest of the offseason. The Magic do have a logjam at guard and, and wing right now. And they're going to have to figure out how to make all these pieces fit and how to make sure every player that they need to see gets that opportunity to play. There are going to be, uh, it's very clear where they're going to focus their free agency attention on. But yes, players on this roster are starting to get squeezed out. That's just the nature of the business. That's just the nature of things. And so, yes, in that sense, yeah, there are a lot of questions to ask about the Magic Strap. But I feel like we have moved past the overreaction stage. I feel like we have moved to the, okay, this is who the Magic have picked. This is what this is what we have to work with. This is who we are working with now. And so now that we've moved to that stage of the proceedings, now that we've hit that part of the analysis, now we look at, okay, who do we have? And yeah, Anthony Black has a shooting question. Chad Howard has a defense questions. Now the Magic have to begin integrating them into the fold and into the team. We will see them in Summer League. We'll get a glimpse. And again, remember, Summer League is just a glimpse. It is not the full picture. We'll get a glimpse into who these players are and what they can bring to this team. But we have to give be excited for what their potential is because they do have a lot of potential. And of course, I could talk about generalities. I've watched some tape on these guys. I've read all the draft analysis. I can only tell you so much. Let's hear from people who know these players inside out, who watch these players all year long in their lone years in college. We'll meet Anthony Black with our friends from Locked On Razorbacks, as well as meet Jet Howard from our friends at Locked On Wolverines. We'll get to that coming up here in just a moment. But first, it's time for a quick word from our friends over at eBay Motors. For a championship team, it's all about making sure every player is a perfect fit. It's the same when it comes to your vehicle. Every part needs to fit just right. So the next time you need parts and accessories, head to eBay Motors. With eBay Guaranteed Fit, you can be sure every part you need fits right the first time around. Just add your ride to my garage and look for the green check to know the part will fit. 
or your money back. Because just like in sports, confidence is the name of the game when you shop on eBay Motors. And with more than 122 million parts to choose from, you'll be back in the game in no time. After all, it's easy to bring home a win when the right parts are guaranteed. Get the right parts, the right fit, and the right prices on ebaymotors.com. Let's ride. eBay guaranteed fit is only available to U.S. customers. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. When we come back, we're going to beat Anthony Black from our friends over at Locked On Razorbacks. After that, we will meet Jet Howard from our friends at Locked On Wolverines. Enjoy these two conversations. And we are joined by the host of Locked On Razorbacks, John Neighbors, to get a better idea of what the Orlando Magic are getting in the sixth overall pick in the NBA draft in Anthony Black. But before we do that, John, how are you doing today? Well, I'm doing great. I'm doing great. Other than the crazy weather, it's been hot here in Arkansas and stormy and everything. But uh, other than that, it's going pretty well. How about yourself? I am I am doing well. We're we're excited to to have Anthony down here in Orlando. Obviously, nothing but great things. It's as as there always is after the after the draft. But um, let's let's start let's start there. Um, what was your reaction to to Anthony uh, getting picked taken with the sixth sixth overall pick? Was is, is did it did that take you by surprise at all? You know how how do you, how did you feel about when you saw when you saw him go that high? I wouldn't say it took me by surprise. I think I was hopeful, just like a lot of Razorback fans were, to see a player like Anthony Black get drafted as high as uh, what he did because Arkansas had, has had a lot of great players come through this university and uh, not many one-and-dones, but they haven't had a player drafted in the top five in forever. In fact, I think it was the last time that they had a player drafted in the top five was back when you're talking about like Sidney Moncrief, you know, like way back when. So you've had some uh, some here and there's about, you know, players getting drafted high. But with Anthony Black, uh, I think everybody was expecting him to go top 10 because he was a top 10 caliber player. He showed it each and every game and, you know, the amount of minutes he played and, and the type of performances that he put in and the type of player he is, you know, being as a size and having the uh, high level IQ that he does. I think that it is not only a great thing that he got drafted that high, but I know Arkansas fans love him to death and, and wish him nothing but the best of luck. And they're going to be following closely, very much closely to him there in Orlando. Yeah. It, I mean, everything you hear about this kid, it just seems like he just endears you to the fan base just, just from his pure effort. I mean, obviously the, the kind of reputation on him coming into the draft was he's one of the, one of, if not the best perimeter defender in, in the nation, you know, he's a guy that just just plays really hard. You know, he's got really good skills for for a player of of his size. Um, from your perspective, though, what what kind of stands out most about him from his time on the court? What 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 kind of? I mean, obviously, he's probably a high recruit coming coming into Arkansas, but but what just stood out to you, or what what was there maybe a moment there where you're like, this this kid's an NBA player, like this this kid's really really special. I mean, there's a lot of things people look at, but like what I looked at is he's a warrior and, you know, Arkansas was a team just for those that uh, may not have followed Arkansas college basketball very closely, but Arkansas had a lot of talent on this team. They had three McDonald's all Americans, Anthony black being one of them. And there was a lot of expectation under Eric Musselman, but they got hit with an injury plague and they had uh, one of their best players, uh, Trevin Brazil go out for the season. Who was an NBA pick this year. If you would have, have been able to stay healthy. Nick Smith Jr. was another guy who got drafted in the first round. Jordan Walsh, another player that got drafted. So they had a lot of talent, but they got hit with injuries because Nick Smith didn't play most of the year. 
And Anthony Black was the big constant. He was a guy that got a lot put on him from being a freshman that he wasn't supposed to have put on him. He had to play the majority of games almost every minute. The ball was in his hands at all times, and he got dinged up. He had some injuries to his to his legs and you know to stuff that he had to do with his knee, but it never stopped him. He kept playing. He played through a lot of pain, and he did that really through the late part of the season and into the postseason and just never stopped and never complained, never said, I, I need to come out of the game. He was just a warrior, and I think that that really stood out because, listen, not every player is like this, but there can be sometimes if it's a freshman player who has to go to college for one year and has to play in a system and knows that uh, what's on the line when it comes to the NBA draft, if they start getting hurt or dinged up or anything, they may say, you know what, I'm I'm scaling it back. I want to focus on my future. I want to make sure that I don't have any problems and, and you know have people look at me if, oh, is he injured, whatnot. Never once crossed his mind. He wanted to play every game, and he did play every game, and he was awesome. And so uh, I think it was his warrior mentality and also the fact that for a player that is of his caliber and his ability, he's known for his passing and all that, but just such a great defensive player. Uh, you know, as far as being a freshman and a point guard, a lot of times that's uh, lost in translation a little bit. Like you don't you say, okay, well, you can score and all, but can you play defense? And sometimes it takes a little bit. But from the get-go, he was playing elite-level defense, and you can't play for Eric Musselman unless you play defense. So I just think of, of those two things uh, stood out to me the most of just him being a warrior and his great defensive IQ at such a young age. Yeah, I mean, I think I mean that those are things that, that were definitely highlighted when when Anthony arrived to Orlando with what Pres- Magic President Basketball Operations Jeff Wellman talked about. I know someone in the Magic media asked uh, asked him specifically about the Kansas game and NCAA tournament where he t- turned his ankle early in that game, I think, and. And, you know, that those kind of moments stand out when, you, you know, it's a big game, you know, your team needs you and you got to give something. And I know he scored only like four points in that game, but his impact was felt throughout, throughout the game, even, even on, on, on a bad leg. And, and obviously, yeah, those injuries changed everything. You know, I, I know a lot of kind of the draft people have talked about uh, the Maui Invitational a lot where, you know, Nick Smith was out and, and Anthony kind of really took over and really took charge, charge of that team. Um, but you know the the, the big question uh, with with Anthony is 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 about kind of the offensive side of the ball. Everyone do- believes he's going to be a great defensive player. Everyone speaks really highly about his basketball IQ and, and his passing ability. That are you know Arkansas was kind of a strange team because of all the injuries. Like you said, they didn't have a lot of shooting e- either, which I think hurt Anthony as well. But where do you see Anthony's offensive game? Obviously, the shot was a huge concern, but he still found ways to like score and be an impact player. Even, even though his shot wasn't going down, even though his shot wasn't always there. Yeah. I think that I'm not making an excuse for it, but and I don't think he'd say it either, but we talked about him being dinged up and dealing with an injury. I think that that really impacted just his jump shot overall or his explosiveness uh, overall, which not to say that he had a f- fantastic jump shot when he got on campus. Cause I don't think that was ever the case, but uh, there was just you could tell that the, he just didn't have the the pop to him that he once did, and I think the injury and the uh, the nagging injuries that he dealt with all year long caught up to him. So that's another reason what made him so much of a favorite here at Arkansas is because he was like, okay, well I can't maybe not be able to jump as much, or maybe I can't be as explosive, so I'm going to find other ways to score. And his ability to to go to the rim with you know being that six seven frame and taking on a, a point guard that may be six three trying to guard him uh he, he would be electric with that and uh, honestly one of the best things when you take, speak about the maui invitational uh trevin brazil going back to him one of, he's a freak athlete about six ten, an insane player 
And what made that so dangerous during that time is when Anthony Black would go to the rim, they'd have to do two things. Either one, they'd have to stop the six, seven point guard coming at you because he's going to go right in for a basket or he'd just lob it up and go to Trevin Brazil. So that's when his defense, his offensive game was at its best, when he had that compliment, when he had those players that could compliment him. And Arkansas's two best offensive players by far were Nick Smith and Trevin Brazil, and then they went out. So he had to improvise. And I think that that's really what made him grow as a player too, is trying to be creative and trying to find different ways to score. He didn't always have you know, the games that some other players did, but if you look at almost all of his box scores, it was always amazing to me to see what it looked like where it's like, okay, he had 11 points, but then he had eight rebounds. He had six assists. He had four steals. You know, it just, he was a stat stuffer on all the stats, not just one or the other. So he's just very, he has a, such a variety to his game that he finds ways to be creative and, and get to score what, and however he can, but you know, the jump shot, you got to develop that at some point. And I think that he'll get better at it, but uh, he's always just found ways to get the job done. And I think that that's what he'll also do in Orlando too. Yeah. And that's, that's something the magic just organizationally have, have always really valued. They, they love, especially kind of, I call it like skill versatility. They love guys who can not only play multiple positions, but play bigger than they are, play small, play seemingly smaller than they are. Like they, they you know, Paolo Bancaro is a great, is a solid playmaker. Franz Wagner is a solid playmaker. Now they're going to trot out, you know, six foot seven, six foot six, six foot seven, Anthony Black at point guard, shooting guard, maybe even some small forward, and just deploy him wherever wherever they need him. Um, entering the NBA, then, you know, shooting is obviously the big thing. You know, the percentages just weren't there. Some of it might have had to do with the players around him, and the injuries that he was facing. But aside from shooting, what other areas do you feel like Black needs to improve upon to to really? be the player that that he can be in the nba well and i don't think it's necessarily a, a bad thing against him but it was just he was so good at doing different things that sometimes the things that maybe he needed to focus on a little bit more or be able to go with his game a little bit more may take second place to what he was trying to do that they didn't really need his help in because he's just again he's such a great all-around player sometimes they didn't need him to go for particular rebounds and end up getting a foul. You know, like sometimes they didn't need him uh, to be so aggressive driving the lane and end up getting an offensive foul. Like there was, those were the things that I think were just more freshman mistakes than anything. Cause again, we got to remember he's still an 18, 19 year old kid, but those were the things I just felt like if, if he could learn that, you know, when, when to pick his spots, when to pick his battles of when he needs to go and do this and not do this, allow somebody else to do something instead of having to rely on himself. Uh, I think that that's something that he'll learn and, and it'll just develop. But that's really the only thing I can think of, of course, besides the shooting thing that you talked about, because, again, he's he, he has so many elements to his game. I mean, how many times have you seen a six foot seven true point guard with the passing ability that he has? And he's got a great mind. I think Eric Musselman has said it so many times and who Eric Musselman has been around the NBA game, the, the G League game. He's been around professional sports and professional basketball a long time. And he just said that his IQ and, and his his heads up display of all the things around him, knowing where to be, how to be, and making great plays is one of the best he's ever been around. So when you have a player with that type of mentality and that type of mindset at that young of an age, you feel like it's only going to get better. And I think he will get better, especially at the decisions that he ends up making. Yeah. And again, it's, I think, I think to that point, like he was asked to be the, the star on the team and, 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 you know, maybe he's not a star. Like, like I, I'm a big believer that a lot of, especially in the NBA where there's so much talent, a lot of NBA teams are bad because they ask too much of the players on their team. And so 
you know, Anthony Black settling in as the as a go- point guard or at least at the beginning of his career, maybe a secondary playmaker alongside a Paolo Bancaro, Franz Wagner, even a Cole Anthony or Markel Fultz is going to help him out so much and allow him to emphasize, you put emphasis on the things that he's strong at, you know, kind of learn when the right time to put himself into the game is when, when the right time to kind of sit back will be, um, he'll, he'll have help. Um, you know, not that, not that the guys on Arkansas, cause Arkansas was a very good team, uh, but a lot of injuries, mm-hmm. they, they, they were, they weren't always able to give him the help that he needed. Um, you mentioned Eric Musselman guy with an NBA background. How much did, how much of Musselman's influence do you see in in maybe how black can be used in the NBA? Because you know, college game can be a little bit different, but you know, there are coaches that run NBA stuff. And, and you know, I, I imagine Musselman runs some stuff that, you know, some action, some things that 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 black will be able to do in the NBA. What kind of influence did he have on Black's development uh in preparing him for the next level? Well, I think that one thing that Eric Musselman and they always allude to this for uh, Moses Moody, who's actually at the Golden State Warriors now and was at Arkansas a few years ago and actually got was the leader of Arkansas's team to get him to the Elite Eight. Uh, one thing that Steve Kerr, the head coach of the Warriors, talked about with Moses Moody is that he's never been around many players that were more prepared for the NBA practices, for the NBA system, for the NBA mentality than what he saw out of Moses Moody and he, and Steve Kerr personally credited Eric Musselman and what he's done. And, and that's not the only player. There's been several players that have gone on into the NBA that Eric Musselman's coach that have said something similar. And I think that, yeah, it's a, you could sit there and say, well, we run practices and we get, you know, that are similar to the NBA. We do things that uh, will have people understanding once you get there, that it won't be so shocking to you and, and not be able to understand. You could say all that, but what I think it does more so than anything is Muss treats players and treats all of his players, especially the ones like Anthony Black, as if they're professional players, because that's why when they get to the NBA, there's not this sudden feeling of like, okay, well, you know, this is how I had in college, or this my coach treated me this way, and now it's I'm having to be treated this way. It's it's almost like he helps them grow up a lot quicker to get ready for that. So that way there is no immaturity once they get to that level and suddenly there's this learning curve that they have to go through maybe not necessarily just again skills practices offenses defensive all that stuff of course that goes hand in hand because like you said a lot of coaches do that in college but must i think more so just make sure that mentally they're ready more so for the nba right off the bat than maybe what some other coaches do and so that's why i think ab and then the impact that he's had as you know because he's again he's a great player coming out of high school he had he's great defensive player and He's got a lot of smarts to him, and that's all a lot of it, of course, is about Anthony Black developing that. But Muss, I think, is going to be the guy that has really helped him to where the day he gets on that court and starts practicing with the magic, the coaches and the players are going to be like, okay, we don't have to worry about, you know, making sure this guy comes along. This dude understands it, he gets it, and he's going to be ready as soon as the season starts. Yeah, for sure. And and, and again, with that, how everyone talks about Black's intel- basketball IQ, uh, that's a big thing of magic, certainly value, because – they're trying to go positionless. They want everyone to be able to do everything. And so having guys who know where to be is, is really big. Um, kind of the last thing then, what do you see as Anthony Black's ceiling uh, entering the NBA now? What, what is what is the, the best version of, of Anthony Black to you in, in the league? You know, I, I've thought about this myself, and it, it always comes down to, like we brought up so many times, is just the shooting aspect. And if that offensive part of him can be – better than what it is 
because I believe it can, not like he's going to become Ray Allen overnight as far as a shooter goes, but if he can just develop the threat to it and be able to be a guy that people respect when it's out, he, if he's got a wide open three, he can hit it, or if he can create his own shot, he can hit it. If he gets to that point to where he becomes that threat, I don't see any reason why he can't be one of the best players in the league and a guy that's looked at as maybe even being a potential NBA all-star because of his not only his mentality and his skill set, but just the fact that he's always very coachable. He's always wanting to get better. He's always in the gym. He's always wanting to learn more. And because of that, and going with the fact he's a six, seven point guard, because again, you don't see that very often. I, I think the sky's the limit for him. He, he just has so many parts of his game that even if they go, if he goes on a team or if the Magic decide to develop a team that's like, okay, well, we have a bunch of shooters, so we don't need you to be a shooter, AB then he can find a spot and be really great. Or it can be the opposite where it's like, hey, we don't have a whole lot of offense right now. We need to rely on you to be more of an offensive threat. He can become that. He's just so versatile to where no matter what team he's on or no matter what the team looks like around him, he's going to find a spot to be very successful at. And because of that, I think he's going to have a long career in the NBA. And I think he's going to be a, a player that's capable of being an NBA all-star, maybe in a perennial all-star, because he will, he will always find the way to be successful in some regard. And it's in really in all aspects of the game. As long as he stays healthy, just like every other player, there's no reason why he can't be uh, a franchise player for the Orlando Magic going forward. Yeah, and I think that's 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 the big thing. Uh, that's the big thing, obviously. And 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 you see throughout the league, guys who play hard, play smart, defend at a high level, they find ways to stick in this league. You know, Marcus Smart wasn't the greatest shooter coming out of co- coming out of college either, out of Oklahoma State. He's found a way to stick in the league, and this guy that that everyone really wants, kind of guy everyone really wants on their team. Magic have a lot of guys who want to get after it, want to defend, um, and and I do think that that Anthony's going to fit fit in really really well in Orlando, uh, and the Magic are going to give him a real opportunity to 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 really shine and show that versatility. Um, John, I want to thank you for hopping on the show with us and telling us a little bit more about Anthony Black. I know we're all really excited to see him play. Here in Orlando, um, if there are any Razorback fans listening that don't know who you are, uh, they should. I don't know why they wouldn't know who you are. Um, where can everyone where can everyone find you and, and catch uh, Locked On Razorbacks? Yeah, I'm on social media, Buzz John Neighbors. You can find the Locked On Razorbacks podcast wherever podcasts are found. Also have the YouTube page, the number one Razorbacks podcast by far. So I'm going to hold on to that until I can't anymore. And I know that <laughs> uh, you know there's no NBA teams in the state of Arkansas, and it's kind of all over the place. But I think because of Anthony Black being out of Orlando. I think there's a lot more uh, Razorback fans are going to be very curious what goes on with the Magic for the next few years as long as Anthony Black's there. So you, I think they probably picked up some fans at least here in the state of Arkansas for Orlando, which is really cool. That's 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 good. To, that's good to hear. Uh, we will take all the fans we can get, and and look, they're all jumping on the Magic at a very very fun time. I can I can tell you that much. So uh, a good pig suey to you. Uh, I don't know if I did that correctly. It's kind of like do Duval for the Jaguars there. I don't know how to do it, do it correctly. I just know it's a thing. Yeah. Um. Uh. Thank you very much for joining us, John. Yeah, no problem. Yeah, it's a woo pig suey, you know. Woo pig suey, woo pig suey. I, I I knew it was something. Yeah, woo pig suey, hogs by ninety. You know all those little things that people bring up. Go hogs. It's all it's all relevant, but it all works out. But I appreciate the time, man. Thank you very much, John. No problem. And we are joined now by Isaiah Hole of Locked On Wolverines. Uh, Isaiah, how are you doing today, my man? I'm doing all right, except for it's uh, it's Seattle outside, which is not supposed to be. 
Metro Detroit. I am I am catching I'm catching everybody when it's raining. I caught John yesterday from Locked On Razorbacks. I'm recording this on Monday on Monday, but I caught John on Sunday and it was pouring outside where he's at it's like Florida. We didn't even get our our usual afternoon sun shower shower today. So spreading the love around, I guess. I mean, rain's kind of important, I suppose. And 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 Paolo yeah, certainly will feel comfortable there. <laughs> but we but we haven't had it up here. Whereas like I I I am a, a Disney person, so I follow a lot of the what's going on in Orlando and I constantly am seeing like Disney food blogs showing people rushing into uh into different uh boutiques uh, at magic kingdom because it's downpouring we haven't ha had any rain my my lawn looks like texas right now so you know what i can't complain too much no no can't complain let's let's talk about someone else who who, who sometimes makes it rain and that, that that would be former michigan i guess former always michigan for michigan forward uh jet howard um obviously the kind of one of the surprise picks of of the lottery um a lot of us had him going in the 20s were you surprised that that he got picked picked so high picked so high in, in this draft? A little bit, um, for two reasons. Number one, I mean, he wasn't expected to be the lottery pick that Michigan had. It was Kobe Bufkin, who was seen to be more of, of around eight to thirteen in in where he would be picked. Uh, but secondly, it, it's and this goes for both of them. To be honest, it, it's neither of them necessarily had the type of production that you would sit there and say, "Yeah, that guy's a lottery pick." Um, Jet at least has a little bit of an excuse to his name because he spent a lot of the season, uh, even though he played in 29 games, he spent a lot of the the season battling injuries. Uh, but yeah, I definitely was more keeping my. I, I was very happy that I uh, pre-wrote my article for Wolverine's Wire because <laughs> I, I was more thinking that he was going to be, like you said, maybe not 20s, but I was looking at number 17 of the Lakers. I think I even pre-wrote it with, uh, you know, just bolding Lakers number 18 or sorry, number 17, thinking like that's probably the good place for him to go. That's kind of where I'd seen him either going there or going uh, more like 23, 24. Uh, so for him to go off the board at uh, number eight, I mean, that's that was definitely something that I didn't anticipate. But you look at who Orlando has picked every single year. It seems like it's a it's a former Wolverine. I mean, even guys that aren't on the team anymore. I mean, in, if, if or if it's guys that they didn't draft, they have them like, the, you know, Mo Wagner. Uh, obviously, they picked Franz Wagner, picked Caleb Houston. They picked I Iggy Brozdakis. It's it's. It's a very amenable location to former Wolverines. So it doesn't surprise me in the sense that it feels like Orlando had its eye on him and said, you know what, we're just going to go ahead and pull the trigger right now. Yeah, and I definitely want to pick your brain a little bit about what is it about Michigan men that the that the Magic loves so much. And then, look, I, I'm kind of in the same boat as you. Uh, I had Kobe Bufkin as, as kind of the guy. I even thought that the Magic might take the flyer on him at 11, obviously taking Anthony Black, he's also a ball handler with their six pick, probably eliminated that possibility. But I, I really like Bufkin and, and what he can bring to the table. I'm sorry, um, I said number eight overall. I meant 11. Yeah, it, yeah no, no worries. We, we're, 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 all, we're, all, we're all good here. We're all good here. No, by, by, the, um, by the end of this, I would have been, I would have been like number one overall pick, pick over <laughs> Victor. You know, it's, he's, you know, he's, jet, he's jetting up that draft board one, one way or another. Um, uh, that, that's my horrible pun for the day. Uh, we will be using that pun several times over the next six, seven years, or however long Jet is on the team. But um, going back to, to, to Jet's season, you know, that in, you know, the injury was something that was talked about a lot when he came, came into town. You know, he, he said that he had, had these ankle issues throughout the whole year. 
Um, and he believes that slowed him down on several fronts, but how much did it slow him down this season? And what were kind of the overall impressions of his season with that context in place? Oh, I, I would say not to sugarcoat things. It was certainly looked at as a kind of disappointing season, given what his expectations were. Uh, but I mean, I do think he has a valid excuse because it seemed like whenever he would get back into action after missing a game or two with the ankle injury, he would come out and re-aggravate it. It actually speaks a lot less to the injury itself and more to his perseverance because the reason why he kept on re-aggravating his ankle and why he kept on getting injured is because he'd go out there and lay his body out on the line. It was never on just like some like, oh yeah, you just happened to jump weird or whatever. It was because he was you know, out there making, you know, contested uh, shots and he was out there getting in the lane and things of that nature that made it so that he was constantly aggravating himself. So, I mean, that, that aspect, it's both a positive and a negative, right? Because it's a positive because you know, he's going to give it all for his team. It's a negative because if he's injured, you don't want to rush him back too fast because you know, he's going to go out there and try to do everything he can and may re-aggravate whatever injury or get a new one. Uh, but it, it definitely speaks to his perseverance and, uh, it's the type of thing that his father, Jawan Howard was always preaching about, which was just going out there and giving your, it all for your team. And Michigan's had weirdly a kind of a dearth of that the last two years compared to what we saw in the early Jawan Howard era, where it, it seemed like guys were always diving for loose balls and thing and hustling. And you knew that Michigan was going to out hustle everyone, no matter what the game was. And, uh, you didn't really necessarily see that last two years, except for Jet. Jet was one of those guys that was going to put it all out on the line, and uh, that is a big reason why. Now, when it comes to the season itself, and when you look at what he he did, I mean, he averaged 14 points a game. Uh, I mean, that's that's nothing to scoff at, certainly, especially for a, a first-year guy, a true freshman that comes in and does that, uh, earns a starting role right away. Uh, but I, I, he was a very streaky player, and I think in large part because he just didn't feel fully comfortable in his body. Uh, there were there were moments where he made it rain, where he was out there just really, uh, you know, taking over games and, and doing things that you would expect a high level player to do. But then there were games where it just felt like, hey, maybe anybody but Jet shoot this ball. And when you have an ankle that's bothering you, it makes sense that that would happen because he's not getting the lift that he wanted. Uh, but there were certainly moments where he was the deciding factor of games, and there were moments where it felt like maybe he shouldn't be as involved as he was. Yeah, that's that's interesting that you say that. You know, I know you know Magic's president of basketball operations said this uh, on Thursday night. Jet repeated this Friday when he came to Orlando that they all, they all felt like he had more defensively than he showed at Michigan. And it's interesting that you say you know, cause like I watched some of the scouting tapes and, and there's, you know, uh, definitely some concerns on the defensive end. I'm curious what you think about that, uh, that in a minute, but um, the fact that he is willing to put his body on the line and, and, you know, again, he's nursing an injury. He's kind of protecting himself a little bit. How much of, how much of that, first off, do you see that defensive potential? And cause we all see the shooting potential. We all see that he can be a guy that, that gets really hot from three and, and can change a game. But do you see that defensive potential in him to, to grow on that end uh, or, or, you know, was it hidden by the injuries or is there, is there something that, that really needs to develop there in him? I definitely felt like he has that defensive potential. There was, 
the, that wasn't something that I looked at and said, yeah, that's a problem, right? It, it, it maybe was at times like, because of the injury, but uh, to me, he was one of the better defensive players on this team. And uh, I, I mean, that's not necessarily saying a lot from what this team was this past year, but uh, he, he was a guy who was consistently doing some things. And uh, I, I would say he was miles ahead uh, of where his, uh, of where his now teammate <laughs> Caleb Houston was, at the time that he was a, doing the same thing as a first year player, it, he, I never really felt like Jet was a defensive liability. Would he would he miss some assignments here and there? Um, may, maybe not be as aggressive as as you'd hoped he would be. Yeah, but that's really easily explained. Especially, you know, they they had him out there less for defense in some of those injured moments more than he was one of the two primary offensive options for the Wolverines. So. Uh, with that in mind, I think when, once he's healthy and can really strap in and, and be able to give all of his focus to basketball and not have to worry about his ankle failing him, then I think that he'll the, the better parts of what we saw during his Michigan tenure will be way more clear uh, full-time for Orlando. Yeah, and I think it's, it's really interesting that you say that because I think most Magic fans would say that that the way that where Caleb Houston really shined in his rookie year was on the defensive end with his defensive IQ, knowing where to be and, and help and help and, and all that. So it's definitely interesting that you say that. Cause I think in, in the draft prep jets defense was something that kept coming up. It's probably why he was mocked as low as he was, you know, and, and I'll ask you this question question then too. What is, what is jet Howard at his very best? Cause it's very clear. We didn't see his best at Michigan last year um, because of the injuries or whatnot. What, what is Jet Howard at at his very best then, in your opinion? I, I mean, he can be an a, absolute star. Uh, he, it, but the the thing is, is finding that ability to be consistent because he's a guy who can create his own shot. He can hit from deep. He can take over a game, and he does have that capability of being a stalwart defensive player. Um, I don't know that I am well versed enough to give you a comp or anything like that. I, I, I would end up probably uh, going into. Uh, you know, being like, oh yeah, he could be a Rip Hamilton type or someone that would be from another era of basketball at this point. But uh, I, that's actually not a completely erroneous uh, comp either. I'm, he's not necessarily that same type of player, but he, he's that type of guy where he's going to be tenacious. He's going to be pesky, and he's going to be able to to make contested shots, and he's going he can open things up for you. Uh, that, you know, that said, obviously like, you know, that that's why we look at you, know, the 14 points per game. And that's not exactly, that's not saying that he's going to get you 14 points every game. He's going to get you 31 game and he might get you six another game. So, uh, it's just a matter of him being able to find that consistency, that confidence. Cause I don't know that he necessarily got that confidence while he was in Ann Arbor. Yeah, that's 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 definitely that's definitely a, a really good point. I mean, and confidence is everything for for young players. And obviously, like a lot of these one and done guys get a lot thrown at them, and and a little inconsistency is expected as they get used to kind of a higher level of play. The Big Ten itself is. I'm a Northwestern guy, so I know how physical the Big Ten can be, and and how how different that conference can be from the rest from the rest of the country in, in terms of basketball. Um, you we mentioned it earlier, the Magic have this strange obsession with Michigan players. You know, you mentioned, <laughs> mentioned, you know, Franz Wagner, That's Caleb right. Houston, Mo Wagner, all, you've got a dog appearing on your oh, video. Oh no, all dogs are good. We like dogs. Right. Um, um, you know, 
Magic have their share of Michigan men on their roster. Mm-hmm. You know, what is it about the Michigan program that that you think a fits the magic side or, or, or seems to work in the NBA? Well, out of all of them, I mean, most of them are Juwan Howard guys now, right? Uh, Not all of them were, though. Obviously, Mo Wagner was a John Beeline guy. Uh, It is that mixture of uh, of hard work, though. You know, blue collar ethic, um, defense as well as offense, uh, but really the unselfishness. That's what kind of carried over from John Beeline to uh, Juwan Howard was this idea of these players, they're not looking to get their own as much as they're looking to help the team. Uh, One of the tenets that has been Michigan basketball, a little bit less this past uh, year or two, uh, was that you never kind of knew who was going to be the guy to kill you, right? Uh, it, it I, I think more of the uh, the late John Beeline years when in which Mo was a part of that squad, it, it was, it, you know, yeah, you, you might be able to stop Mo, but you're not going to be able to stop Duncan Robinson. If you're, if you're not going to stop, if you're going to try to stop both of those guys, then Muhammad Ali Abdul Rahman's there to, to, to get you as well. Uh, you know, there was just a litany of different players where from one to six, maybe seven, uh, they all had their capabilities and their abilities and they weren't afraid to take a game off from scoring to help the team win. I think that that's a, a big thing is that unselfishness uh, that that they have and then they also have, do have playmaking ability of course right you know we, we, you see that from Franz Wagner and and uh, the way that he's uh, been able to play and he, you know he's he's a guy that once he gets into a groove he he's unstoppable and Michigan's done a really good job of of figuring out in a game by game basis of when are you going to go off when are you going to to be that take that moment and not be the unselfish player and uh, and just you know hone your uh, abilities you know use your abilities and exploit the other team. Uh, but Michigan has long been kind of formed as this quintessential team, right? It's uh, not to continue to use a, you know early two thousands Detroit Pistons analogies, <laughs> but that's kind of what it what it was in a lot of ways is a, a selfless team that didn't have a one veritable superstar per se. Uh, every now and again, one would come through, but even then, when I mean, we just saw Hunter Dickinson transfer to Kansas and he was kind of a superstar, but he was still kind of being fit into this mold of you're still one of five. So I, I think that that's, that's a reason why Michigan players would like, no matter what their talents and how they excel and you look around the NBA and certainly for every, you know, you, you look at, you know, um, Look at Jordan Poole when when he's had his moments for Golden State. I mean, he just had his moments where he's lighting things up, and and yet he there's a lot of games where he's dishing it as much as he takes it. And same thing for Duncan Robinson, right? Duncan Robinson, no Michigan fan is particularly surprised at what he's done with Miami because they've seen him uh, go out there and have that ability to shoot the ball. Uh, but uh, at the same time, you know, there are plenty of times when he was in a uh, Michigan uniform where he was taking a back seat. So I think that that is probably the biggest reason is just the culture that Michigan has had since John Beeline took over in 2008, uh, which has continued through uh, the Jawan Howard era starting from 2019 forward. Yeah, that, and that makes a lot, se- a lot of sense, honestly, thinking about how Franz plays. Like, you know, if anything, Magic fans are just always begging Franz to do more and more and more, and yet – There'll be games where it feels like he's being really passive, and you look at the look up at the scoreboard, and he's got 
you know, 21 points. He's shooting like eight, eight of 13. Like he's, he's keeping himself involved, even if he's not necessarily maybe doing all the superstar things we think he think he should do. And he like him, especially like, he's really good about knowing when to pass the ball, when to attack, when to, when it, when it's his turn and when he needs to be kind of in the background or as a floor spacer. And that's really a big, I think, honestly, a big thing about the magic offense is they, they want everyone to be involved and everyone to be a threat. You know, yeah, they have Paolo, they have Franz who are probably the two lead guys, but they want a, an offense where everyone is capable of hurting you and making a play on the ball. Um, before I let you go, then, you know, we're, we're two years into Franz Wagner's NBA career. We're all stunned, you know, coming off of Michigan with the kind of meager numbers he had. Are you at all surprised? Did you at all see this coming from Franz and, and you know, from at least what you've seen, what are what are the next things that you expect to see from Franz as he, as he gets ready for year number three here? Well, it, at, what I saw at Michigan when he, in his couple years in Ann Arbor was that he he's a guy who grows, right? I mean he he stepped into a you know a, a kind of an awkward position being at Michigan because you know his brother's departing, brand new uh, basketball coach, uh, and then he ends up being a commitment uh, coming coming over from Germany. And uh, obviously he was well familiar with what there was, but then straight out the gates, he's got an injury and he's got to sit down for a while. So, but not only was he come when he came back, was it uh, a situation where it was like, we want you to do, you know, we want you on the court. It was, we need you in order for us to do what we need to do. You need to be a superstar and you need to do it right now. Uh, So he, he took that kind of, he had to take a little bit of time to grow into that role i mean they needed him right then and he gave everything he had but he had to kind of go through the paces to kind of transform into the type of player that he ended up being by the time that he left what you said about him uh sometimes kind of seeming like he was a uh like you know he's maybe a little bit passive and then every now and again he'll just have like this crazy game that was kind of what he was in Ann Arbor for a lot of the time too. There was always the meme that was going around in the Michigan circles of, uh, you know, okay, tonight we're seeing first round Franz, right? Like that's, that was what the type of player that we knew he could be. And it wasn't always going to happen per se. Uh, weirdly, I feel like that's, that's the case for every single guy that you, that the magic has taken, even the departed, uh, uh Iggy Brasdikas was that was that way too. But you know, Caleb's that same way. Uh, Jets that same way. Um, the only one that isn't is Mo, and Mo's getting a little long in the tooth. Uh, Mo is Mo, <laughs> uh, and he's funny. I'll, I'll t- I, I had some funny interactions with Mo because uh, he comes back every now and again for football games and whatever. I've had some really funny interactions with him in the aftermath, but um, he's just—I I can't think of a Michigan basketball player that I've adored more in recent memory than Mo Wagner. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I mean, I think Franz, it's, it's just a matter of, of him just kind of settling in and understanding that, you know, Hey, that thing that I do on a, any given day, I can do that every day. Uh, it's, it's not a consistency problem. It's not necessarily even a confidence problem. It's just a, uh, what you, when you're looking to kind of pick your poison, when, when are you going to get to that point where you pick that one poison every day? And I think that that's what Franz just needs to learn. And I think he's getting closer and closer. Yeah, def- definitely is. And, you know, another, another round of FIBA Franz is going to, going to go a long way. I think this summer too, with, uh, with, with team Germany. Um, Isaiah, I want to thank you for your perspective on Jed Howard. We're really excited to have him here in Orlando. We desperately need shooting. So 
anyone that can hit a three is usually pretty, pretty, uh, pretty good in our books here in Orlando right now. So we're really excited to see what he can bring to the Orlando, to the Orlando magic. Um, Isaiah, tell everyone where they can find you if they're looking for, for more on, on, on the big blue, on the big blue and machine Wolverines. Well, Lockdown Wolverines is, is the podcast and wolverineswear.usatoday.com for all of the written word. Yep, yep. Uh, so I will give you a, a begrudging go blue. Uh, and and uh, we'll hopefully uh, we'll we'll probably be talking again this this time this time next year I imagine probably and you know I can't begrudge the Wildcats my friend Lauren is the uh, who uh, was a Michigan intern who uh, she she went on and did her bat her masters at uh, Northwestern and then she runs their SI site I think still and she's no man I don't think she's doing that now because she's in house video so if you follow Northwestern football stuff you've seen okay. Lauren. I've seen her. Okay, cool, cool. Well, we, 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 I definitely appreciate her. I don't know if there's many others that listen that appreciate, that appreciate her, but, uh, <laughs> but, uh, we'll, 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 we'll chat again this time next year when, when, when the magic take another Michigan player, I'm sure. Uh, <laughs> awesome. thanks. Thank you very much, Isaiah. I appreciate it. Absolutely. I want to thank John and Isaiah for hopping on the show and giving us a bit more perspective on Anthony Black and Jed Howard. I, I know, I mean, I I said what I said about the picks. Uh, you know, there's certainly a lot of questions, but I'm very, very excited to see both of them play. I do see a way for both of them to fit into the bigger picture here in Orlando and certainly contribute a little bit uh, to this team in the short term. So very, very excited to see both of these guys hit the floor very, very soon. Obviously, we'll see them here in a couple weeks. But that's going to do it for me today. I want to thank you all again for listening to today's episode of Lockdown Match. Of course, follow me on Twitter at philiprr underscore omd. Subscribe to the podcast and Apple Podcasts. Stitcher, tune in to Himalaya, Google Play, Spotify, Odyssey, and all of them. We send all the podcasts to your podcast-enabled listening device. For latest on the Orlando Magic, be sure to check out orlandomagicdaily.com. You can follow us on Twitter at omagicdaily. On, on tomorrow's episode of Lockdown Magic for my everyday crew, we're going to dive into free agency. The questions the Magic have for free agency for the free agency period as well as the free agent targets I would expect the Magic to be looking at. They're not necessarily names you'd write about in your newspaper unless a trade is coming. We will talk about those options coming up on tomorrow's episode of Locked on Magic. But until then, for Orlando Magic Daily and Locked on Magic, this has been Philip Rossman-Reich. We'll see you all again next time for another episode of Locked on Magic.